Hello there. Hello there. We greet you of Jesus' joy, and we're very excited about those that are joining us as far as Bible study is concerned. Thank you so very, very much. I don't take this uh, wonderful opportunity for granted to be able to share with you. I see you, Sister Brown, and others that are joining us. Um, let us know in the chat that you're joining us. We greatly appreciate your your insight. Um <clears throat> As far as our time uh, today is concerned, we got a very interesting subject we're going to be dealing with. Um, it is um, how to and why we should control our tongues and watch our mouths. And of course, I'll be preaching on this uh, Sunday morning, uh, but I'm going to be teaching on it right now. Uh, and so uh, before we get started, uh, if we could, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. So we can sense and seek what it is that God uh, wants to share with us in this moment. God, our Father, we come to you right now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. As we prepare to study your word, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. God, give us ears to hear what you desire for us to know. Uh, give us the Spirit to apply what we glean and learn from this moment so that we can be better disciples for you. God, if you would show yourself mighty and strong, even in this moment, um, so we can please you with our efforts and our actions. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. <clears throat> James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is a very powerful, um, insightful passage of scripture that we're going to be studying. And um, I have to admit that as I read this, this really uh, spoke to me and uh, reminded me, of course, of many areas where I need to continue to grow as well, and I'll be the first to to admit that um, uh, when it comes to the to the tongue, to the tongue. So let's get started as far as um, uh, today's sharing is is concerned. Uh, in your Bibles, I'm happy to highlight some stuff as we go through it. Let's look at um, chapter three, verse one. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. If you would just highlight that whole phrase, whole verse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse two, for we all stumble, circle the word stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble, circle the word stumble in the word, he is a perfect man. If you would underline the words perfect man and also brighter the whole body. And if you would, uh, highlight the phrase, bridle the whole body. Verse three, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. If you would, highlight the phrase, bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Verse four, look also at the ships. Although they're so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder whenever the pilot desires. If you would, highlight all of verse four. Verse five, even so, 
The tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Highlight that verse as well. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire. If you will highlight the phrase, tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. Underline that phrase, the world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. If you would highlight all of that and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. <clears throat> Excuse me. For every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and creature of sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Verse eight, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of evil, deadly poison rather. If you would highlight verse eight and circle the word tongue. Verse nine, with it, we bless our God and father and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. If you would underline verse nine. And underline verse 10, out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Verse 11 and 12, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. Wow. <clears throat> Forgive me. Let me start off by um, giving um, what I think that James, well, not what I think, really what James is, is coming from. The one of the signs of maturity, as far as being a believer in Christ, is um, our talk, our speech. We've heard that phrase. Uh, sticks and stones may, may, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. Uh, words do hurt. Words can cut us in ways that you can never imagine. And so what we have here is James devoting a major portion of this letter to talk about how we can be careless and corrupt with our language. And he really wants to unpack this in a very meaningful and a very powerful way. Part of the reason that James is dealing with this is because uh, you have false teachers who are popping up, who are ruining believers with their uncontrolled tongues. And so he goes on this tirade um, and really expands why we as believers in Jesus Christ really need to watch our language. Back in the early church, teachers were, were very important. And both the survival and the spiritual depth of believers depended upon teachers. As a matter of fact, teachers were the point of contact for all new believers because new believers needed instruction about the gospel. They needed teaching that would upbuild their faith. But the problem was that some teachers had the ability to communicate well, but they were driven 
by worldly motives. So, so they would take a leading position in a church. They'll get their own cliques and they would use their teaching positions to build their own little following and to criticize others. Uh, and, and this is why even in the church today, we have to be careful to whom we listen and, and we have to be careful uh, to whom we follow. Uh, the teacher plays a very important role. And, and I haven't even really gotten into dissecting verse one. I'm just talking overall. So when we look at what James is talking about, it really goes back to what he mentioned in uh, chapter one, verse 19, that we need to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Okay. In other words, we got to have two things working in tandem, diligence and discipline diligence and discipline. God knows diligence and discipline is needed more when it comes to our tongue. Okay. So, so Christians need help from God to know what to say, when to say, and how to say. All right. Because you can say the right thing in the wrong way and mess up somebody. Now, all of us, God knows I'm very guilty of got to take this chapter to heart because this is not just for leaders and teachers, but this is for all disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to control what we say. All types of speech, both private and public, need to be brought under the subjection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and one of the ways for selfish motivated teaching and speaking is for us to truly repent. And that means we have to be honest and humble before God and admit, you know, Lord, for some folks, here it is, you may not smoke, you may not drink, um, you may not uh, commit any type of sexual sins, you may not steal. However, that mouth, that mouth, that mouth has engaged in numerous character assassinations, that, that, that mouth gossiping and spreading rumors. Uh, is just as bad as a lot of those other situations and sins I have just mentioned, okay? So only when we admit, you know, Lord, <laughs> I, I've kind of, you know, messed up, kind of fell in short, only then will we be able to avoid that sinful speech and bring healing as far as the Christian community is concerned. So let's, let's jump into, into this. Um, when we look at verse one, when James says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, interestingly, he addresses those that are reading and hearing this letter, calls them brothers and sisters. So let's go across that strata. He, he, he says that there needs to be moderation and restraint in the multiplication of teachers, all right? Don't rush to be a teacher because guess what? Teachers are going to receive a harsher judgment because if what they teach is erroneous, then ultimately God is going to hold those persons responsible for whatever happens to those that hear and follow their teaching believing that they are getting the word 
from God. All right. This, this is why those of us, particularly even pastors and, and uh, 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 are held to a stricter judgment. Now, 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 now I, I'm going to say something that somebody may take offense to. Um, but as the pastor of St. Paul, I'm the resident theologian. And so God holds me accountable for whatever is taught as far as the church is concerned. I'm the resident theologian. And so I'm going to be held to a stricter judgment. All right. Now, let me say something. I don't know if I have anybody that's teaching uh, small groups or teaching Sunday school. But guess what? You're going to be held to a stricter judgment. You're going to be held to a stricter judgment. Now, back during this time, we got to understand that one of the preeminent offices back during the day of James was the officer rabbi and Jewish Christians were familiar with the rabbi. And of course, Jesus was even referred to as rabbi or master teacher. And so they had a lot of admiration and respect for rabbi. Um, uh, it was the highest calling for any Jewish male child because teachers had that influence and status even in the early church. Now, teachers were rare. Each teacher had much work to do and the teaching was central to the work of the church. This is why this is so important. And, and, and because teachers taught through verbal con communication, it was important for them to control what they said because through their passions and through their position, they could give bad doctrine. And they could create division in the church. And that is, at times, what used to happen. That's why, that's why you don't allow for a newbie to teach. Because they don't know anything. A person that's new to the faith, you don't allow for them to teach. They don't know anything. You don't allow for them to preach. They don't know anything. As a matter of fact, when Paul came to the faith, for three years before he started launching out into what Jesus Christ had him, he, 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 he was sat down and taught what it meant to, to engage in this gospel work. Okay? All right. So if, 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 I, if I don't get off verse one, I really want to drive this home. Teaching carries great responsibility. Okay, and as the work reveals the depths of our faith, so words should also reveal the depth of our maturity. Teachers, we're going to be held to a greater accountability because of the teaching role. All right. Now, let me just say, James is not against teachers, but he's just alerting those that teach to their responsibility and to the potential problems. Now, this is why it is so important for us to understand that immature and undisciplined speakers need to grow before we give them a platform. We got to help new Christians grow in knowledge and make sure they possess their personal experience, what they profess in words before we give them positions of influence and in upfront public speaking. Okay. This is why 
someone new to the faith should not be teaching and should not be preaching. If you just got saved yesterday, you should not be teaching. You should not be preaching. I don't care how much zeal you have. Paul said they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. All right. So, 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 so it's not that, that, that we don't want you active in the church or anything like that, but you don't know anything. And let me say this, and you can't get it off Google. You need to sit at the feet of a teacher or a pastor so somebody can pour into you and help you to understand why you do what you do. This, this is very important. Now, now in, 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 in the New Testament, part of the reason that, that James is drilling down on this is because many teachers messed up a whole lot of folks. All right. You have some teachers that introduced Judaism, Mosaic laws, and circumcisions, and they weakened the gospel um, uh, because they were trying to combine works with faith. Uh, some teachers lived in contradiction of what they taught. Some teachers taught before they knew anything. And then unfortunately, some teachers catered to people's itching ears. In other words, they said what they thought folks wanted to hear. And this is why we have to be very, very careful about whomever we put before people to speak and to teach. All right. All right. Let me go on. James uh, in verse two talks about for if we stumble in many things, for we all stumble in many things. For if anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, I love James because James basically also points the finger at himself. James says, listen, all of us mess up. All of us mess up. All of us fall short. And, and, and any person who is able to control his tongue is, is basically a perfect man. Now, that word perfect basically does not mean mistake proof, but it basically means mature. You're able to bridle the whole body. Now, because we are prone to make mistakes, particularly in our speech, we need to be ever more careful to let God control what we say. This is why it's so important for us to allow for God to really guide our motivation, our thoughts, our choice of words, and the very impact of our communication. All right? Now, here's what I want to drill down on as far as this verse is concerned. The first was the weight of greater responsibility. Teacher are not just people who are mature enough not to stumble. They also ought to be mature enough to admit when they fall short. Okay. Believers are frequently guilty of putting immature Christians, new converts, in positions of authority and being disappointed when these new believers aren't able to live up to those expectations. 
Okay. Again, let me just say, you don't need to be putting somebody that just got saved and baptized up to do any teaching. They need to learn something themselves. All right. James also wants us to understand that spiritual maturity requires you being able to control your tongue. Now, notice what he says here. He says, uh, for if anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Many of us think that it's impossible to control our tongue, but can we be honest? Most of us hadn't even tried. May I dare say that the ability to control your tongue is really one of the fruits that you are maturing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yep, that, that, that tongue. And, 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 and here's what I really want to drop on you all because this is what we got to understand. Jesus reminds us that we're going to be given, we got to give an account for every word we say. You read Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, but I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Every word you say, you will be held accountable, which is why you got to learn how to what? Tame that tongue. Now, before, before, before I really go deep, do you all realize that for men, the average length of your tongue is 3.3 inches. For women, it's 3.1 inches. It is amazing how something so small can mess us up so bad. James says, and this he, he really drills down. James says, if we can control the tongue, we can keep the whole body in check. Okay? If you can control the tongue, you can keep the whole body in check. All right? <laughs> now, let's be honest. I, I'll be the first to confess. Um, because sometimes the wrong person catch you on the wrong day at the wrong time. You may not be able to control your tongue, but guess what? And I'll be the first to admit, that's no excuse. Uh-oh, that's no excuse. Uh-oh, let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. That's no excuse. Now, I'm going to take verses three through five, kind of put them and lump them together. Because it's interesting how James uh, compares the tongue to the rudder of a ship, to the bit in a horse's mouth, and to fire. Okay? It's interesting how, how he does this. All right. Bit in a horse's mouth, rudder on a ship, and a little spark that can create a forest fire. Here's what James is doing. James is building the case for how powerful and how damaging our words can be. That tongue is very small, but it could do a lot of good or it could do a lot of bad. 
All right. Now, let's 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 drill down on this. Um, I'm from Mississippi. I know a little bit about a bit, and particularly like a, a horse or um uh an animal or a beast of burden's mouth. That bit is a metal piece that's connected to reins. And how you pull on that bit controls the direction of that beast of burden. Uh, I remember growing up uh, when I used to go visit my grandmother in Crystal Springs. Uh, she used to plow her fields with um, uh, a donkey and put the bit in that donkey's mouth. Bit about this big, about that round. But that thing could control that donkey when she was plow using her plow. Very small, but very powerful, okay? Now, we all know that donkeys and horses and cows, they, they're much stronger and larger than us, but they can be turned with that small bit in their mouth. Christ should be the bit in our mouths. We should let Christ out of our mouths instead of speaking out every time a thoughtless word comes to mind. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this today. Everything that comes to your mind does not need to come out of your mouth. I think that's tweetable for today. Let me say that again. Everything that comes to your mind does not need to come out of your mouth. So we, we see that bit that is able to control a large beast of burden. Another one is a ship. Rather, um, is not that big. A rudder is not that big. And, and if, if you've ever seen a big ship, you'll be surprised that it is controlled by a small rudder. Okay? Now, of course, Christians back then were familiar with big ships. Ships move tons of cargo across the seas. Um, and, and James is reminding the reader that a large powerful ship is controlled by a small rudder. And, and James is driving this point home about how powerful and how pivotal, how pivotal uh, our tongues can be. Okay? Small things control much. And, and the use, and let's be honest, um, for, for a lot of us, that tongue has split churches. Tongue has destroyed lives. Uh, we can use our speech in impulsive, thoughtless ways, lashing out on others, passing out gossip without control. Destruction is sure to follow. What are some examples of, of, of an untamed tongue? Gossip. Belittling. Cursing. Bragging. Manipulation, false teaching, exaggeration, complaining, uh, flattering, lying. Before we speak, we, we should ask these questions. Is this really what I want to say? Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Let me say it again. Think about those four things. Is this really what I want to say? 
Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And I'll be the first to admit, there have been times I've said stuff that did not measure up to all four of these things. And I've had to repent. Okay. All right. Let, 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 let me continue to drill down because James is now getting ready to tee up the ball to knock a home run. James says, the tongue is a small part of the body. 3.3 inches in a man, 3.1 inches in a woman, but it is very influential when it comes to the body. Anything capable of such great evil must be capable of also great good. Okay. All right. So, so, so James is saying, if it can do bad things, it can do also what? Good things. Most forest fires are started by a small spark. If you think about the forest fires out west, most of those forest fires that burn up hundreds and thousands, hundreds and th of thousands of acres was started by someone throwing away a cigarette butt. Something that small and it got into some dry leaves and <laughs> took off. All right. This is how powerful your tongue can be. Our words have major impact. Okay. Our words can kill from a distance. So, so not only do we hurt people face to face, but, but like a long range missile, we can say something here in Charlotte about somebody in California and mess them up. Okay, so your words have wide-ranging impact. And here's the other thing I want you to understand. You can't control the effect of your words. Like a forest fire that quickly gets out of control, you spread a rumor, and it takes off, and it takes a life of its own. And a lie will go around the world seven times before the truth even steps its foot on the ground from waking up. And this is how the enemy, the devil, uses a lot of us. A lot of us, you ain't going to see on the news, committing murder. But we do with our tongue. A lot of us, you're not going to see on the news bruising people. But we do it with our tongue. Your mouth, that tongue is very damaging because it spreads destruction quickly. And guess what? Even when you apologize, the damage has already been done. Let me say that again. Even when you apologize, the damage has already been done. So let me, let, 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 let me get ready to say something that we often say that we can't do. Once you say something, you can't say, I take that back. It's out there. You can't say I take that back. Let me say that again. You 
Can't say I take that back. Remember, here's going to be my constant refrain. Everything that comes to your mind does not need to come out your mouth. And, and let me, if I could, let me, if I could, and, th and this may go into next week's lesson, but let me, if I could, help us to understand that everything that comes to your mind don't need to be posted either. Because we got to understand that now we may not, uh, the tongue does not always have to be verbal. It could be digital. Oh, I think I'm teaching real good now. Some of us got digital tongues. Some of, let me say it again. So, listen, this, this ain't even in the lesson. This, this is a revelation that I'm getting right now. A lot of us got digital tongues. Digital tongues. Our fingers can become tongues because we allow for our words to be posted and, and things of that sort. So everything that comes to your mind does not need to be said. And everything that comes to your mind does not need to be what? Posted. So this is why James says in verse six, <laughs> no, no other way to say it. He says that the tongue is a fire. It's a fire, a world of iniquity. In other words, he's saying the tongue is a source of all kinds of evil. Or as my great grandmother said, devil men. It's, 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 it's a, all kinds of evil because of the damage it causes in the world. And because of the damage it brings to the rest of the Christian community. Notice what he says. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. What's the whole body? The local church. And sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. That uncontrolled tongue can set our... In Entire human existence on fire. And, and, and so he, here's what James is really driving home. James is saying your tongue, your language, your tongue, what you post on social media, the digital tongue and the actual tongue can destroy all the good that we built over a lifetime. All you got to do is just look at folks who are being busted and canceled because of email, social media posts, or words that they've said. You can minister for years, and God can bless your ministry. You can do great things for years, and God yield you abundant fruit. But if you fail to control that tongue, you can undo all the good you've Because here's what James is saying. James is saying that tongue is so, so perverse that the fire that emanates from it comes from hell. When he says set on fire by hell, that's a habitual action. What James is really saying and if I could give you the Robert Scott translation, that the tongue keeps on setting on fire and inflaming our passions and inflaming our tempers and leading us to actions that displease God. 
even the most intelligent person can behave like a plum fool because they become inflamed by the use of their tongue. And what do those flames look like? Hatred, prejudice, rumors, slander, jealousy, envy. All of that mess comes from the lake of fire. So, so in, in, in this phrase, when he talks about hell, he is really referring to in the Greek, Gehenna, G-E-H-E-N-N-A. That word Gehenna um, referred to a valley um, uh, that was south of Jerusalem. It was a garbage dump and they kept burning stuff. And it was also, unfortunately, a place where human sacrifices were made to idol gods. So, so, so when he says hell, he's really referring to a garbage dump. How our tongue can produce garbage dumps and how our tongue can sacrifice our brothers and sisters. Wow. Wow. How, how our tongue can sacrifice our brothers and sisters in a garbage dump. James says, James says, we've controlled all kinds of beasts, horse, cows, donkeys, um, birds and alligators and crocodiles and snakes and creatures of the sea, different fish. We've been able to tame them, but we have not been able to, in verse eight, tame that tongue. That, that, this tongue is something, y'all. Now, I want, want you to notice what, 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 what he says. He says, no one or no person can tame the tongue, but the spirit can. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and that's why the Holy Spirit goes straight to our heart. That's why Paul said it like this. Uh, my brothers and sisters, present your bodies of what? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. When your mind is renewed, your language will be renewed because basically your language is demonstrative of what your mind and your thoughts are. You can't control your tongue with your own strength. It takes the Holy Spirit. And the more control you give the Holy Spirit, the more control the Holy Spirit is able to monitor and control what you say. Let, let, let me say this. There, there, have been, there have been times when I, somebody says something to me, and all kinds of stuff comes to my mind. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and if I said everything that came to my mind, some of y'all would probably wonder if I'm saved or not. Do I have anybody else that's, that's ever been there? You, you can put it in the chat. Me too, Pastor. Me too. Me too. If you've been there. Now, here's where. Here's where the Holy Spirit has to be your filter. Here's where the Holy Spirit has to be your filter. 
Holy Spirit has to filter your thoughts because as Holy Spirit filters your thoughts, the Holy Spirit is also filtering your speech. Okay? Because that tongue is unruly, is full of deadly poison. There's, there's some folks have said some stuff and if I had my way and I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I would want to cuss them from center to circumference. Not curse, cuss. Not C-U-R-S-E, C-U-S-S, cuss. And the Holy Spirit filters that stuff. Filters that stuff. Okay? The, the, the tongue is, is unruly in and of itself. The tongue is poison in and of itself. Here's what we got to understand. Don't try to control the tongue with your own willpower because you're going to mess up. When you feel offended or unjustly criticized, the Holy Spirit will remind you of God's love and keep you from reacting. The, the Holy Spirit can heal your hurt and keep you from lashing out. I know somebody saying, well, I need to just get somebody to it. I need to get them straight. I need to give them a piece of my mind. Remember, your mind is corrupt. So if you're going to give them a piece of your mind, you're giving them a piece of corruption. Listen, one of the best ways to demonstrate your walk with God and your discipleship with God is your speech. Because remember, you're going to give an account for everything you say. Air, everything, <laughs> everything. In verse nine, uh, James says, we bless God, our God and Father, and we curse men who are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth comes what? Blessings and, and curse. And, 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 and let's be honest. When, when this, is, this is how a whole lot of us make excuses for speaking our mind. You know, we got a whole lot of rationalizations for an uncontrolled, untamed, unrestrained tone. Somebody had to get them straight. Mm -hmm. I, I had to get off my chest, Pastor. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I had, had to give that person a piece of my mind. Yeah, remember, your mind is corrupt. So you're giving them a piece of corruption. Then some of us even have to say, well, maybe what I said did that person some good. And here's the classic. Woo, I feel a whole lot better because I got that off me. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things to do is exercise restraint for sounding off. And God knows there have been some folks that I've had to exercise restraint. I never forget. I, let me let me share this. This this happened to me in my first pastorate. I'll never forget. One day I was calling to the office about deacons after church. And it's amazing how the enemy will come come for you after a high worship experience because deacons didn't like something I had shared in in a business meeting. And I, I was true, and it wasn't. I didn't do it in a bad way. It was truth and. And I was gentle with it. And um, I never will forget, I'm in this meeting with these deacons. And so, you know, they're expressing their concern. Then one of the deacons stood up and said, and 
at this time, I'm like 25 years, no, 20, about 25 years old. Who you think you are? Young whippersnapper from Duke trying to come in here, tell us what to do. You don't know nothing about pastor. I mean, he was going off on me and I, I kept my seat. I mean, he was going off on me. But what got me was he came around to my side desk and he put his finger in my face like this. And that's when I discovered the Holy Ghost is real. And I calmly stood up and I didn't even look at him. I said, sir, I said, please don't point your finger at me and don't raise your voice. I said, you need to respect the office of pastor. I said, now, uh, we can continue this conversation or you all can leave my office, but I will not tolerate being treated like this. And I said it just like that. And that's when I discovered the Holy Ghost was real. And they left my office and one of the deacons came up to me afterwards and said, Ooh, pastor, today you grew 10 feet in my eyesight. And then the Holy Ghost had left me and I kicked back. <laughs> this is unrestrained. I said, why you ain't stand up for me? <laughs> Blessings and, and, and cursing came out and said, you know, so so the Holy Ghost can keep you if you want to be kept. What James is saying, don't allow for blessings and cursings to keep coming out of your mouth. You, you, and, and, and let's be honest, for a lot of us, that's going to be real hard to do. So let me drop this on you for free. You ought to use your tongue to engage in being in blessing more than cursing. Here, 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 here's another tweetable. Bless more, curse less. <laughs> Let me say it again. Bless more, curse less. All right. Let, let, let me put it where y'all can get it. God know some of y'all looking at me kind of strange. Bless more, cuss less. Because James is saying, you know, you ought to get to a place in your walk with God where blessings and curses aren't coming out your mouth. Praise, um, uh, praise the Lord more, bless people more, curse less. All right. Here's what, 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 what James wants us to understand. I'm getting ready to close. He wants us to praise God and stop cursing people. It is so interesting how many of us benefit from worship and yet we may excuse destructive talk and gossip and we fail to correct others who gossip and others who tear others down and others who criticize destructively. And the reason that James is saying you shouldn't curse people is because they're made in the image of God. In other words, in the sinner, there's something that God sees that's worthy of Satan. Okay. And, 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 and here's why. Here's the summation. Because spring water does not give off salt water. Fig trees cannot bear olives. Ain't no way. You can't even graft them to bear olives. 
grape vines cannot bear figs. I don't care how much you, you, you put them together. It just can't do it. You, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. So to help bring our speech under the Holy Spirit control, count your blessings. Count your blessings. That's how you become more positive. Remember that God loves you. Okay. Sometimes when you want to go off, you may want to just write a letter or, or, or a text message and then don't send it. Pour out your inner feelings. Or better yet, go find you a therapist that you can say what you want to say to and know they ain't going to repeat it because they're under uh, an oath not to repeat it. Sometimes you need to wait to respond to a comment or criticism or a piece of gossip. And then here, here, here's the shout. Realize that your speech can be a gift to somebody. Let me say it again. Realize your speech can be a gift to somebody. Okay. All right. That's our lesson for today. Before we close, are there any questions that anyone has that you want to put into the chat uh, for me to respond to? Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Remember this. Your tongue must be controlled. Your tongue must be corralled. And your tongue must be cleansed. And the only person that can do that is God through salvation in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. I so love you all. Thank you all for your 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 attendance and, and your sharing. I don't see any questions in the chat. Um, so we're getting ready to close out in prayer. But I do want to encourage you that if you feel led to give, that you're more than welcome to give. And there are three ways you can give here, even for Bible study. Uh, one is by uh, sending check or cash to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, uh, to eight. 205. Another one is by bringing your check, cash, money order to the church. But call the church office at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. You can also give online through Church Life or through ACS on our website. And then you can give through the app called Givelify. Um, and if you don't have that app on your smart device, download it to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks you can give here at St. Paul. We are doing great work. Uh, you're sowing into great ground um, and you're giving great lift as far as the work of God here at St. Paul. But listen, um, um, we want to encourage you to join us either in our uh, Thankful Thursday service or Sunday morning worship, either Sunday morning live for those various classes that start at 8 or 8.30. And then our Sunday morning worship, you can join us either in person or you can join us online. We are open. Um, just register if you want to come in person. And we would love to see you in the house. But listen, God bless you all. And let's allow for the Holy Spirit to help us gain better control 
of our time. I'll be preaching on this on Sunday. Love you all. God bless.